historic restoration starts out. We have no idea how we're going to do it. I mean, we got a kind of idea, no idea. And then it's just a disaster in the middle. And at the end, it all comes together. And some of the best restoration and the best basic repairs go unnoticed because they look like they were never done. ATWF All Things Wood Floor. Welcome to the greatest hardwood flooring podcast in modern time. Brought to you by Wood Floor Business. Come see Wood Floor Business. Come be Wood Floor Brilliant. This episode is sponsored by Woodchuck Flooring, flooring and customer service experts with 52 years under their tool belts. Welcome once again to All Things Wood Floor. I'm Stephen Diggins, your hostess with the mostest and hardwood floor aficionado. Today's Guide to the Flooring Stars. Calling in today, you know him, you love him, the most requested guest on All Things Wood Floor to date, the Floor Pro's Floor Pro, Sprig Lynn of Universal Floors, Washington, D.C. Sprig, his family, his ancestors have made their mark in history as curators, preservationists, and purveyors of some of the finest and most famous hardware flooring projects in our nation's history. We're going to talk about the common bonds that tie flooring pros to our industry and our craft. We're going to talk about doing great work and getting paid what you deserve for it. We're going all the way back to 1982, ancient floor testament stuff, borrowing socks from a president, the Dalai Lama, the Wright brothers, Ethel Kennedy, that penny pincher, fire and brimstone, seas boiling, earthquakes, volcanoes, human sacrifices, cats and dogs living together, mass hysteria. Yep, we're going old school, folks. You're going to laugh. Some might even cry. It's all part of the beauty, brilliance, and passion that floor pros like Spriglin and you, our floor pro readers and listeners, bring to the table each and every day. Bring your hands together, people, for a monumentally grand round of applause for Spriglin, Universal Floors, Washington, D.C., U.S. of A., floor pros of this great nation and around the world. Let's get to it! Brig Lynn, welcome to All Things Wood Floor. I've been dying to meet you. Welcome aboard. Thank you, Steve. I'm, I'm ready to go. What you got? Woo-hoo. All right. Listen, I get a couple things. First of all, so Universal Floors, which is your business, is it Tenley Town? Is that Washington, D.C.? Is that, did I get that Tenley right? Town is a, is a small section of, of Washington, upper northwest part of uh, kind of borders Bethesda, Maryland. So you must be, I know a little about the area that you're in. Is that like Cleveland Park, Chevy Chase Heights, right around there, or am I wrong? Yeah, not far from the National Cathedral and uh, not far from the White House, just on top of the hill. It's uh, Washington, D.C. is a fantastic place to be in business because it's always the uh, last to get hit by a recession, the first to recover. Is it now? I hear people say down there it's the tricky part about be, doing business there is, and you can tell me they, they'll say, well, it's the Beltway. It's hard to get from one side to the other because it's so congested. Is that that's something that you can tell me about? We try to stay off the Beltway. We mostly stay right in the heart of Washington D.C., usually within five miles of our shop. But we will travel, and we have people second homes out in horse country of Virginia or down at the beach or uh, what, what have you. We, we get out of the city once in a while, but we mostly stay right around the city, right right there in the heart of the city, which very few tradesmen are in the city. It, it's a beautiful cosmopolitan area. Every time I go there, I'm amazed. I actually took my um, flooring certification exam down there. I think I was telling you in the Falls Church area, and I was yep. um, 
it's very upscale. People are very well educated. They spend a lot of money on their hardwood flooring. And you know, there aren't, I didn't run into that many really fantastic flooring companies. Your name came up everywhere. And then there was a lot of others that seemed to, they'll hire a, a jack of all trades. They'll hire a finished carpenter to do some of their work. Um, do you know a lot of other premier flooring companies or are you pretty much what's in the area? Uh, there's a handful of guys, uh, but obviously I'm a little biased, so I, I feel we're the best. We've been there the longest. We've been there close to 70 years, and we've made payroll every year for 70 years, so that's got to say something. If we charge too much, we'd go out of business. If we didn't charge enough, we'd go out of business. So uh, we're very proud of our, our business that my father started in 1953. And uh, my kids are working with me now. And uh, we're, we're very interested in, in moving forward for many, many years to go. You got the kids dragged into this, huh? <laughs> well, <laughs> uh, hey, I'm not forcing anybody to do anything. No, my uh, son did I, gymnasiums with me. Then, then that was, that I, was I, I wouldn't say I was I wouldn't say I was forced, but. I didn't have much of a choice, and uh, but I love it. Believe me, I I, I worked I worked with my father nearly every day till he's ninety two years old. That's fantastic. It was absolutely incredible, it's beautiful. I worked with my brother, my mother, I worked with my sister, nephews, you name it, cousins. A little nepotism there at Universal Floors, but we we like it. We're a true family company. With good old-fashioned manners. It works. If you got to throw down, you throw down. There's there's no airs, right? If it's got to be said, it gets done, and you, it's a team. And I know, if, See, I know my dad had a big, big business, and you, you didn't mess with my family. Was, if you were part of the family, you're part of the business, and that's how it was. Steve, good old-fashioned manners, a handshake and a smile doesn't cost you a dime. And it's kind of missing in the Washington area. And uh, people don't open doors for each other. They don't greet each other. But we, we try to bring that in back into the business big time, and we, and we like it. Your family was super supportive from the, you know, what we've talked and what I've read when you've written in Wood Floor Business Magazine. It goes all the way back. Tell me, tell me a little about your grandfather, David Lynn. Well, my, my grandfather and my father, very hard act to follow. Hmm. My grandfather was born in 1873, and uh, he came off a farm in Maryland, uh, 1898 and went to Washington, D.C., and he got a job as the lowest paying guy on Capitol Hill. That's where the Capitol is, and uh, under the architect of the Capitol as a ditch digger. In 20 years, he worked his way up to what we call the architect of the Capitol. At the time, he, he became the seventh architect of the Capitol. There's only been seven since George Washington. Now, I don't know what they're up to now, 13, 14, but you're, back then you're appointed for life and anything constructed up on Capitol Hill, Senate office buildings, you name it, uh, the architect of the Capitol, uh, is that, that was his job. So uh, he, he was a very liked man and he worked very hard and uh, we're very proud of him. Uh, one of his famous buildings that he built from the ground up within three years was the United States Supreme Court as it stands right now. Amazing. He built it, built it on time and under budget. And they got all pissed off when he, when he gave the money back to the treasury because they wanted to furnish the Supreme Court. And he said, no, this was allocated to build it, not to furnish it. And who knows what Congress did with the money after that. But <laughs> it's a very proud building to walk in when your grandfather's name is etched on the marble and the, 
as you walk through the front doors, uh, which is Steve, a very interesting story. One time we, I, years ago, I, many years ago, as a young man, we had a huge restoration job there. And I went there to meet the Supreme Court officials. There's about 19 of us sitting around a table. And they were questioning me, all kinds of questions. There was, you know, the architect, there was uh, preservationist, you name it. And they were grilling me. And I basically said, look, if my grandfather can build this building within three years on time and under budget, I think his grandson can handle the wood floors. And they all started laughing. And it about ended the conversation. And that was it. And from that on, they just called me and say, get it done. And and at the Supreme Court, we have a program called Choose to Reuse. So we salvage wood from houses slated for demolition. And we date them, whatever date it is, 1930s, 1700s, whatever. And we uh, take it out and uh, denail it, call through it, and we reuse it in many of the buildings in Washington, from the White House, Vice President's House, Supreme Court, you name it. So we give it a breath of fresh air, and it's got another 150 years of life. And normally it'd be thrown in a landfill. It's absolutely an incredible story. That is cool. Have you ever been able to go work literally on the grounds where your grandfather had designed things? Like where they're full Oh yeah, all projects? the all the, pla- all the pla- he, he chose the floors from Wood Mosaic which was one of the oldest, finest floor companies uh, in the world that, that made all these fancy borders and, and, and flooring. But yeah, his name's all over it, and, uh, and he approved it, and it was it's absolutely incredible. It, it, he died in about a year before I was born, so I never physically got to meet the man. Right. So it's a kind of an honor to... Uh, go down there and work and, and do a first-class job. And believe me, we'll go down there on Sunday, Saturday. It doesn't matter. We're in there. We're, we're, we're getting it done. And, uh, you know, we want to make my grandfather proud. Boy, that's, I'll tell you, I, um, my grandfather was a, a luthier, a violin maker, woodworker. Again, I never met him. He died mm. before I was born. And uh, in the town of Nashville, where my whole family grew up and built businesses, I got a call from a, a dealer of ours that sells hardwood flooring, and they were having a little trouble and asked if I could come help out with their um, their showroom. And I, I, I haven't done flooring in a while. I packed up all my tools, went over, and I helped them. And they got done, and they were thanking me, and they said, well, why did you pack up? And I was almost in tears. I go, this was my grandfather's wood shop. Then they started uh. pulling out photos of the old leather belts <laughs> running the pulleys. And I had a picture of my grandfather in his smock, you know, working in that building. Uh, that's fantastic. You know, they're right. There's something that connects you to it. Tell me about, now your father, I think was a, he was a history nut, right? I read online a lot about him. Yeah. Uh, his mother was a big genealogist okay. and uh, followed the family history. And so was he. And uh, we're, we're really into American history. That's why me personally, uh, historic restoration is so close to my heart. It, it's, it's beautiful yeah. to, uh, we always say if our floors could talk what tales they'd tell, you know, that all these old historic floors, they, they're absolutely incredible. People say they've been around this many years, that many years. We've been under the same name, same family. And we made payroll every Friday for almost 70 years. I'm telling you, that's got to mean something. I'm very proud of that. That's amazing. The, um, and you probably learned a lot from that um, when it all started in the beginning 
did, did your father start by teaching you about finance and money and business, or did he start by teaching you about flooring? So one of them had to have the business mind and the technical flooring mind because businesses kind of need three components. It's got to have that person that can manage, the person that can launch it into the future, but somebody needs to know the technical aspects. Was everybody throwing in, or did your, your dad know the whole thing soup to nuts? <laughs> no, he, he learned. Right. I think he had the first moisture meter has ever made. <laughs> And he swore, he's, you know, there's only two books I've ever read being dyslexic. It's Old Yeller and the Knock the Handbook. <laughs> and he, he swore by it. He said, you don't need to go to a convention. Read this. Read this. Yeah. You need to know this. But, uh, no, he, he, he learned. He, uh, he went to World War II the day he turned 17. He, he, he came back after the war, went back to the 10th grade, finished high school, went through University of Maryland uh business administration and uh went to law school for a short period and said i'll never wear a tie went to work for a floor company for about a year and he said i'm going to own my own company and my mother and my father were the uh first uh installers and employees and he, he grew up he grew it to about a 154 guys and wow. he had a, a wow. quite quite a big company and he did a good job with it was he good with money? Did he teach you about economics? And he... Well, he was born during the, the Depression. Sure. So he, he knew how to stretch a dollar. And uh, he always said it's easy to be the captain of the ship during calm waters. He always stayed calm, cool, and collect. He always had a plan, and he stuck to it. Right. And he, he knew the importance of collecting your money. Right. The money is the lifeline of your company. And you got to collect it. He said, it does no good in someone else's bank. We need to put it in our bank and turn it into cash money in our bank. Because you can't pay bills, you can't buy material, and you can't pay payroll on someone else's money. No. And it's someone else's bank. Yeah, so he taught you that right up front. Did did you guys have to do, like, listen, that was the thing, right? That's what happens today. You get a one- or two-man company. These guys work real hard, and then they go home, and they figure, well, how am I going to do estimates, and now how do I have time to go collect money? And, and you know, one of the keys to this whole thing is paying your bills, paying your distributors so that they'll be faithful to you, and they'll give you deals and breaks, and, you know, they'll maybe put your deliveries ahead of other people, and... You know, you don't want to be caught behind the eight ball like that. Did did you, as you moved along, did he have you collecting your own money? Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you got stories, he, he, don't you? He, 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 well, you asked earlier how did I start out. I started out working, doing the floors as a young kid. And uh, we had a, a labor shortage in the Washington area. So my dad brought a lot of guys out of... Uh, the tobacco region of North Carolina and brought him up here and taught him a trade. And he went out to Southwest Virginia and brought a lot of the guys out of uh, Tazewell and Bluefield and those areas and brought them up here. And, and they seem to be probably the best that learn hard work ethics. So that's who I learned from those guys. So I got, Steve, I got one foot in old school and I got another foot in new school. And I think if you combine both new school and old school together, there's no stopping you because I, I, I can switch from A to B anytime and I know both ways. And it's a big 
big deal for me to know both methods. A lot of people don't know anything. They know a, a power drive or wh whatever machine they work. That's it. I'm from the old, my father started out. They, they were bumping and scraping. They were hand scraping. Yeah. They were supplying, installing, and finishing strip oak floors for 43 cents a square foot. Wow. And they were, uh, the labor rate was three or four cents a foot to hand nail floors. Now, you, you, you made a living. You, you didn't make much money. You made a living. Nowadays, guys can make a good good bit of money. At least the guys work for me do. Yeah, finally, I think after the, the pandemic and the recessions and guys are all of a sudden, we, we used to try to get a buck 50, you know, buck 75. We were the highest people in town. Now it's 350, 450, a little more for staying, a little more for water base. I'm proud of these guys. It's, it's time that they get what they deserve. It's a craft. Um, I know a lot of really really lacking hardwood flooring people and that's a problem in our industry right now and the ones that uh, are working at your level are worth gold and you know when you meet them it's like you speak the same language it, flooring is a whole other language and uh it, you when you like you said you can't there's no way you're gonna go off on a weekend and learn this stuff you, you got to be in the <laughs> trenches there really should be some type of apprenticeship you you know there you could teach a guy for four years how to, to sharpen a scraper and he'll still throw it at you and say, you do this. I got to get back to work. It's that difficult. <laughs> I hate it when people say it's not rocket science. Well, we can make it rocket science if you'd like to. Yeah, no, I, I agree with you. It's it's now wood floors is hard work. No doubt about it. And you could toil away at that hard work for your whole life and it will beat your body up. Yes. So you got to have either exit plan or, or, or something else, or you're just going to stay working away, beating your body up every day. So you got to work smart. You got to work. The best tools you got is your left and right hand and your head. And eventually you got to work more with your head than your left and right arm because uh, hard work will kill you. Believe me. Yeah, I've seen a lot of my customers, they come in and, you know, they'll tell me they can't stop. They'd say, as long as I'm good, I, I might take part of the weekend, but vacations are difficult as they find it hard to get back in the groove. When they get back in the groove, they do. I had a buddy of mine, he's done stone walls his whole life. We did a 10,000 foot barn for him with hand pegs and everything. And after the first day, he goes, I, I don't know how you do this. I go, Greg, I can't move stone walls like you do. He goes, but this is totally different work. It's hard work, like you said. No, and you know what? There's two kind of wood floors out there, ones that need to be sanded and ones that will need to be sanded. And that's good <laughs> job security. Yep. Seriously, you that's know how much pre-finished yeah. pre floors are out there? And they will never invent a computer or an app or anything to sand that floor. So if you learn how to sand, hey, believe me, I sand and install, but if you learn how to sand floors, you, you got good job security. Well, not only that, there's more money. Listen, you didn't maybe get the Santa finish on a pre-finished floor, but you probably get paid well. Though when it comes around, there's a lot more money if you're smart sanding pre-finished floors because it ain't that easy. I've seen people go through $1,000 in sandpaper using the wrong sandpaper to come back and say, what is going wrong with this? I know people that won't touch a pre-finished floor. Oh, there's a way if you know what you're doing to grind those down, and they're going to be there. They're going to be ready for the next generation of floor sanders hey, for a long time. I, I tell you, the more you learn, the more you earn, and you got to keep on learning. My dad learned and learned and learned. After his death, we set up a scholarship fund uh, from a father, so you can actually uh, 
apply for scholarship money to go to these schools. But you know what the most important, everything's important, but is networking with these people right. that have the same passion as you. I, I network with a lot of people and I learn a lot from everybody, everyone I come in contact with. So I bring a lot of people into Washington and very talented people. And, you know, for me to work in the White House or the vice president's house or the, you name it, it, it's it's an honor. Believe me. Sure. But we've done it so many times. But uh, there's a friend of mine, uh, Kent uh, Rogerson. He's from uh, uh, Low Country Floors down there in, um, uh, in in South Carolina. Okay. Georgetown, South Carolina. And his partner Jamie, they came up. They helped me at the White House. And these guys came up with this box truck with the most impeccable equipment I've ever seen in my entire life. Wow. And I got to know uh, Kent. And this guy, uh, you talk about someone knowledgeable about equipment and the way it works and the function of it is absolutely incredible. So my point is, is I, I get more fulfillment bringing people into Washington with their talent to work with me. And I learn something from them just as much as they learn from me. And, and they get the opportunity to work in something. Now, believe me, wherever they're from, they're working the cream of the crop. But. You know, when you come to work in the White House, that's a good feather in your hat. And these people come up and we work and it's it, it, it's 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 a, it's just a fun experience. Uh, unbelievable. Well, your name comes up all the time. When we started all the and I had heard your name years ago. We actually spoke about five years ago real quickly and your name came up a lot. But in, in the time that you and I spoke about getting together and doing a podcast, Everybody I've run into, it's like the six degrees of Kevin Bacon, knows you. So I was just working with two guys out of Boston and happened to say, they said, what's your podcast? I said, it's going to be Spriglin. And they go, oh, we're going down to work with him in D.C. And it was the JJ guys, uh, Chris Pesters, who's also coming up soon. And then um, our company's owned by Horizon Forest Products now. My boss came down the other day and he goes, y'all speaking with Sprague Lynn? He's one of our customers. We know him. I'm like, yeah, I know. I know. Everybody knows Sprague. I got it. We're, I, got it I got it down. Hey, 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 you ask him. We pay our bills on time and every time. And <laughs> let me tell you, JJ, they're, they're hardworking fellows up here in, in Boston. They are. And and I get to meet these people from all over the United States and the world that are just as passionate as I am. It, it You know, when I go to the convention, I get excited like a little kid going to the fair for the first time. Yeah. It, it just, it, it, it's, it, look, I, I'd rather do that than anything. I, I'm, I'm looking at floors all the time. I'm thinking about floors. I keep a notepad right next to my bed. And if I come up with an idea or I'm thinking about something, I got to write it down or I can't go to sleep. That's a good that's, call. That's how passionate I am. That's true. It, don't you love that? I did a high rise in Boston. They were having a problem with a parquet and I'm way up in this high rise. And, um, you know, they were a little standoffish, but I'm, I'm looking at the floor. I got it all figured out. I started talking wood with this guy and he had, he's a shirt and type Harvard guy, whatever. And he got quiet and he goes, I'd like to show you something. And I go, okay. And he yells, honey, make sure you're dressed. Now he takes me to the back of this penthouse apartment. It's like a little closet. He, she she runs in the bathroom to get dressed. He slides this little door for this little closet. I open it. He's overlooking Fenway Park and what's in this little tiny room. He's it's it's woodworking lathe, woodworking equipment. He's got this little he makes like custom pens. He had a um 
I think it was a, um, a, a, a set of chairs, Windsor back chairs that he was reworking for somebody. And this guy's like an attorney, but that's his passion. He had the bench that he had sat down on was when they renovated Fenway Park, he bought two of the seats and bolted them into that little room. That was his little woodworker's man cave. And he said, I never show this to people, but I thought you'd appreciate it. That's, that's good. You know what? We, we find a lot of the justices at the Supreme Court would stop and come in and watch us work. And a lot of people that work more with their intellectual mind and their hand, you know, with, with being a judge, they, they they miss that connection of being a carpenter or working with their hands. And they would come and they were very intrigued and they'd watch us and ask us a lot of pointed questions. It was, it was very, very interesting. When people can feel your passion, mm-hmm. if you're charging or not charging, I, I like to charge. But when, <laughs> when they feel your passion, they like that. They get excited about it. They're like, this guy's excited about doing this floor. A lot of times they'll come in and ask us, how are you going to restore this floor? And we get into historic restoration, believe me, totally. Right. Hook, line, and sinker. But they'd say, how are you going to do it? And we'd say, uh, I don't know. But when we get done, it's going to look beautiful. <laughs> it's going to look great when we're done. It's going to look – and you know what? It's the same response. They all start laughing. And they walk away and they leave us alone. It's absolutely incredible. But it's true. It, historic restoration starts out. We have no idea how we're going to do it. I mean, we got a kind of idea, no idea. And then it's just a disaster in the middle. And at the end, it all comes together. And some of the best restoration and the best basic repairs go unnoticed because they look like they were never done. Right. It's the bad repairs that people go, look, I see a guy did this or a gal did that. And, and, you know, people can see bad repairs and, uh, or restoration, and it just kills me. Uh, we we try to make it. <laughs> believe me, we put our heart, body, and soul into it, 100. percent You're right. You're right. There. If you have a brand new floor, you can map it out. You can plan it. And if sometimes you get up, the truck shows up, everybody jumps in, and everybody already knows where they're going to start, where the force board's going to go in, where are we going to, where are we going to be trapped by a radiator or a refrigerator or whatever. But when you're doing a restoration, it speaks to you. You you show up with everything you got and all your tools and all your tricks. And you, you pick a spot and you get you start moving with it and it speaks to you and you're going to run into difficulties and sometimes throwing a brand new board in isn't isn't a smart thing to do it's it's there's other ways flipping a board over getting a board out of a closet finding one in the attic there's a different way with restorations than there is with brand new flooring you know what on anything from restoration to cosmetic touch-ups mm-hmm. I, I, I I'm not bragging I got damn good at it you know why you love it because my father said, Sprig, go collect this check. And we've got a lot of floor guys working for us and not all of them are perfect. Believe me. He said, I don't care what you do. When you walk out of that house, you better collect that check. So I, I, I had to do whatever I had to do to make that floor look right. Right. So I could get paid. It might take me an hour. It might take me two days, but my father wasn't putting up with, you're not getting paid. So I had to get good at it, and and uh, I'd get my Bass Pro Shop box out or my wooden caddy with all my stuff in it, and I'd go to town. And not one thing is better than the other. There's so many different ways to uh, fake the eye to make it make it look right. Sure. And uh, one of my most fulfilling 
jobs I ever did was on the fly at the, uh, the we're in the white house working and, and the guy said look somebody did something and we need this fixed can you fix it and i said well I, i'll try he said it's in the oval office so we go to the oval office and whoever fixed it looked like someone threw up on the floor yeah. it was it was horrible <laughs> God. but but we we got it done but you talk about being on the hot seat right i was on the hot seat but when I walked away, that thing was first class. It, it looked like it grew there. And uh, so it cosmetic touch-ups will get you paid. Yes. And they'll also is an avenue to get you a new good customer. Everyone's always looking for customers. Good builder. All builders have problems. So we took a different method. We know this builder pays his bills. We just hadn't connected with him. Instead of saying, we're the best, we'll do this, we'll do that. We say, give me a couple of your problems and let me make it go away. If I don't make it go away, don't pay me a damn penny. But if I make it go away, I want this reasonable price, but I want your work. And guess what? We've gained more. You think about it. You get one builder in 10 years amount of work that guy could give you. He could give you... 100,000, he could give you $2 million worth of work. That's a lot of work. And and you can gain a customer by taking care of his problem. Because the other floor guy maybe worked with him for 10 or 15 years, and and he lost his gumption. Right. He, he doesn't care. And you come in there with the biggest smile on your face, you take care of business. This episode of All Things Wood Floor is sponsored by Woodchuck Flooring. Flooring and customer service experts with 52 years under their tool belts. The Woodchuck team loves to talk shop as much as we do. But when it's time to supply shop, they give you more floor and less chore. Show up to the job site like a superhero when you shop online for the latest in commercial and residential flooring supplies, maintenance tools, and the basics like nitrile gloves. They offer shipping nationwide. Get 15% off your first purchase of all the best quality stains, finishes, and supplies you need to activate your installation superpowers with the code WECANBEHEROES, that's all caps, one word, WECANBEHEROES, at shop.woodchuckflooring.com. That's it for now. Let's get back to Steve Diggins' talk with award-winning Washington, D.C., Wood Floor Pro Spriglin. Well, yeah, in restorations, it's really artistry. You can, you, you know, you look at that and you go, I can really separate myself from the pack if I do what I know I can do right here. You know, I told you my grandfather was a, 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 a luthier, built violins and this and that. Now, he was, he was a poor and simple man, but, you know, my mom said a limousine would pick him up on weekends, and they, they owned uh, all the big furniture companies. And back then, you owned a private company, you went to local craftsmen, and you bought, and my, they would pick my grandfather up and take him around, and he'd say, that's a good piece, this is a piece. He would make pieces for them. And I remember my uncle was telling me my grandfather built a Queen Anne's, uh, like a sofa frame, and uh, they had him, him and the kids take it out in the backyard, and he went and got his shotgun out of, out of one of his shotgun cabinets, and he shot it full of birdshot. And then he hand rubbed and stained every bit of it, and you would have thought that whole frame had been worm rotted. It was beautiful. But that was that another, that next level to really make it take away the newness of it, to make it look like something that was original. 
if you can make new wood look old, foot worn, what have you, and you can recreate that, you got something there. I think you're absolutely anybody. Right. Anybody can throw a sander on it and, and sand it down to raw wood and put some finish on it. But if you can make new wood look old, you, you got it. You got it going on. Well, you mentioned the whole part of it about if many times, like your family would say, "Hey, man, by the way." We're not a charity here. You know, we only way we can exist is to get paid for the work we do. Yeah, yeah. did he give you a lot of collection tips? <laughs> like, what were the words of wisdom when you had to go out and get that money? In well, there? Let, let, me, let me tell you a few things. Okay. One is, when we'd go collect the check, <laughs> the builder or where we got your money. And it got down to the point where we had a list of questions or, or uh, of, we said, okay, what time can we pick the check up? Okay, two o'clock. Fine. If you happen to leave the office, where are you gonna put the check? Because you know, you show up there, oh man, unexpected we had to leave. Then we were instructed to open the envelope. Number one, make sure it had our name on it, because another trick was they'd put another company's name on it. Oh, we inadvertently put the wrong check in there. <laughs> that buy them another week. Yep. Then we had to check the date and then we had to check the signature. Then once we got all that, we brought it back to the office. My father get his signature attested to. He'd go straight to the bank and turn it into cash. Right. So, so, but he would say, you know, you got to collect that money. So especially if it was a substantial amount of money, you, you said, look, I'll save you a stamp. Let me come pick it up. And we would pick it up. And we had a salesman one day. Well, they do it all the time or used to, not anymore. They'd say, hey, we got a check for you. And the salesman get a little lazy. Well, throw it in the mail, right? Yeah. So my father would get wind of that. And the salesman come Friday, won his paycheck. He'd say, where's my check? He said, well, I'll put it in the mail. We sent it to your house. So right then and there, when it hit home to that salesman, it's important to collect that money. Oh, yeah. That money needs to be collected because you got to pay bills with something. And you, and, and you talked about having a relationship with your supplier or the people that give you extend you credit if you we've been through boom and bust many a time believe me sure. i've been through boom and bust and when you can't pay the whole bill you pay a portion of it and you constantly pay those people i don't care if it's a hundred dollars or a thousand dollars they will respect you if you pay some of your bill but when you start hiding from people that's a bad deal you got to be honest with people and pay them what you can and constantly pay them and chip away at it. And if your business model isn't working, for whatever you're doing, you better change it and, and, and get with it because uh, business is not easy. No, and you're in a you're in business to, and I always t tell people a well deserved profit. When people say, "Oh, you're making money," well, listen, it is a well deserved profit for what we're doing. Um, yeah. You've probably been through it when people say, well, I was shopping. No, no, that's not what we do. And I'll give them the name of three other flooring people. They say, well, why are you doing this? Well, listen, I'm not the Kmart of flooring, and I don't mean to insult Kmart, but you're, that's what you're looking for. That will never be me. That's not my guys. I need to pay them well for the reputation that we have. And we're, not, we're just not going to do that kind of work. But there are plenty of people out there that will. You've seen it, Sprig. You see the guy that drops his price, and 10 years later, he's still the guy dropping his price. He's still see, the guy that yeah, can't yeah, pay yeah, his yeah. distributor. You got it dead on. We got a joke amongst us that we went over to the doctor. He was a, a high dollar surgeon. 
and we were repairing his floors. And he said, God dang it, it only took you an hour and you charged me $1,500. I'm a surgeon. I don't even charge that. And the floor guy gets up and said, either did I when I was a surgeon. <laughs> he walks away. <laughs> so, so we give that joke sometimes to the customer when they complain about it. <laughs> they don't talk about all the years and trial and tribulations you went through to learn how to do it. It may look easy. I mean, how much does it take a surgeon to take a scalpel and cut someone? He has to know where, when, how, how deep. And believe me, uh, we got to know the same thing. We just have a little bit of different education path. Oh, you know, what's interesting. They always say, oh, it's not rocket science until they have to go to court or they need us. I, I did one once. I got a guy. I think it was a $17,000 rip-up, which is so rare. It, it was it was really just a big mess, and they called me in. And um, I think I owned a car dealership, and it was I think my side of it was $650. I got it done. I found him a guy, got it all ripped out, got to work it through the insurance with the distributor. Everybody came through with, you know, not too many bumps and bruises. And he, he, tried to, he didn't want to pay me my $650. And I said, you know, if I had said to you, $650, you give it to me now, I'm going to get you a $13,000 floor and the people to do it, and it'll be done in a week. You'd have paid it. And he goes, well, you know what it cost me to put gas in my boat? I said, I don't have a boat. You know, and I know what it cost. <laughs> yeah. this is, and you know what? I'm, this is no joke. I think I took $450. Two years later, he called, and he goes, hey, remember me? I'm having a problem. And I was just, it was like crickets. I was quiet, and he goes, Oh, we're gonna have a problem, huh? And I said, Yeah, we're gonna have a problem. I said, You need to find another consultant. I said, We're good. I go, There's your two fifty that you owed me. And he left it at that. And I'm not a spiteful person, but boy, for that guy to do that, like your surgeon, you know, oh, a good guy would cut me a deal. No, a good guy would pay me what I deserve before the rate goes. Hey, up. hey look, see, they don't they shouldn't they didn't have to beg you to do the work. They shouldn't have to beg you. We shouldn't have to beg to get paid. Nope. And you know, we 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 took a, a turn to credit cards sometime back. My father was against it because he was old school, but he came around and we take a substantial amount of money on credit cards. And we, we do charge a convenient fee of, uh, I think 3.2%, okay. uh, about the highest you can get charged by the credit card companies, us sure. to cover that. And you wouldn't believe how many people still use their credit card for the convenience. For the convenience. And, 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 and we write on there, Right on the contract that they 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 will pay the credit card payment when we substantially finish the job. Yeah, absolutely. So it's absolutely incredible. So we went to the credit card company and said, what can we do to protect ourselves? And they told us X, Y, and Z, and we did it. And we rarely have any problems with it. And, and it beats running around trying to collect your money. No, it sure does. You know, that brings up a question. Um, one of the things I think, is when I was younger and same thing happens. You start a floor company, you don't feel the confidence with the guys you're working. Next thing you know, you're working on your own. And I did everything I could to start small and learn sanding. If I didn't know something, I'd call in another guy and bring him in to show me how to do a glue down or whatever. But how did you learn? Um, probably the hardest part of the job on the business end is how'd you learn to cost out jobs and know what to charge? And how did you learn all that? Well, fortunately, I had a father mm -hmm. that was very intelligent in this in this part of the business. And he felt that it was just important as the mechanic on the job site. Right. But he, he taught me. He, he, we cost out every single job. 
is costed. Everything we know exactly what 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 our labor, material, our profit. So we can if, if we see something that's out of whack, we, we look into it. But we cost every job. We don't guess at anything. Okay. We know our numbers. Well, you have to, right? <laughs> but I think what's how do you know when to go from you don't want to be competitive with everybody. You know that your work is significantly better and you know that you are going to take that kind of time and you know you're going to deserve a little more. Look, uh, we, we charge our rate. Now, look, look, a lot of people say they're booked up for six months, eight months, whatever. You, you have to go with your schedule. If your work is slim, you might have to reduce your price. If your work is uh, packed up, you increase your price. You got to flow with what 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 your uh, schedule board looks like. Sure. Well, that makes sense. So, when, so when you're moving on through all this, and and where are you at now? Uh, are you, you're more of a leadership role? Are you doing still, you know, grinding it out every single day, or do you have to do a lot more managerial? Like at the end, when I had crews, I want to just doing a lot of out helping assisting getting equipment moving uh, material I'm, around I'm, I'm what i'm what you call a professional hand holder there you, know? you go <laughs> no but look look i tell you what no i don't get on the floor and grind every day yep. but i cherry pick the jobs i want to sure i enjoy it it makes you really it it, it makes you understand what your guys in the field go through every day sure and it's not easy so some people have get gets disconnected from the what i call the field they lose the insight of the grind and how hard it is and it's it's mentally and physically demanding and that's why i like to get out on the job i, I love running a big machine i love doing repairs but I can't do it every day. So I'm basically management. Right. And we're, we're looking over things and we're always trying to improve. And we're always, we don't fire anyone. We always try to just replace the weakest link. Yep. Always. And, and we're always trying to be, we're always trying to be two ahead, two steps ahead of the, of everybody. If it's black stain, we want to be black stain before anyone else. If it's this invisible or raw look, we, we want to figure that out before anyone else and, and ride the market for a while and make some extra money until everyone can buy it in a bottle. So we're always constantly trying to be ahead of our competition. You know, years ago, I, I was lucky if I knew people 30 minutes outside my area. Right. Competition wise. Now I know people all over the United States. I can pick up that phone and call someone because experience is a expensive endeavor expensive so if i can call someone that's been through it or done it they're going to save me a lot of time and money that's why networking is so so important right to, to know people that have been through the 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 problems and problems cost you money you don't want problems but everybody's going to get them Hell, the, the rocket ship that went up that blew up. There's rocket scientists that put that thing together. Absolutely. So you don't think you don't think there's going to be problems with wood floors? Of course there is. It's how you handle it. You got to analyze your problem. What's the problem? What happened? Let's not do it again, and let's get it done fast and quick, irregardless on who's who who, who caused the problem. Let's get it done. 
let's get it over with. Let's move on to the next, next job. You got any crazy collection stories? Uh, <laughs> because I know it's not always easy. I, I, I got, believe me, I, I've been stabbed. I've been shot at. How'd you get I, stabbed I, and I, shot at collecting your foreign money? Believe me, uh, I, I had to uh, make sure I had that check when I came home. Right. But I, I, I got other stories, though. I, I We've dealt with a lot of a lot of good people out there. Mm-hmm. One, one time, uh, the vice president of the United States sometime back, a guy named Dick Cheney, mm-hmm. his wife had a, had a place and down on the water and they wanted me to come down and take a look at it. And I went down there and it was just the secret service and Miss Cheney, vice president's wife and myself. And, uh, she said, uh, Sprig, can you come upstairs and look at this floor? we went up there it was empty and the only thing up there was a bed and i walked up there and and there were paint downstairs it, it smelled like oil-based paint it was horrible and uh she got upstairs and she goes i i feel dizzy i feel like i'm gonna faint and i said oh shit. Yeah. i'm sorry i don't mean to cuss <laughs> but I, I said what do i do if i grab her they're going to shoot me, the floor guy. They're, they're not gonna, I mean, the floor guy. So, and if I let her drop on the ground, they'd probably shoot me right again. <laughs> so I said, Oh Lord. So she went to fall and I, I, I rolled her over on the bed and I called for the secret service to run upstairs and they took her pulse and everything. And she said, uh, uh, that she didn't eat, eat anything that day. And, uh, I guess the smells made her wheezy. Right. And uh, so she walked outside and she said, what, what can I do to help you? You know, I appreciate what you did and everything. You came down here. And I said, well, where are you going after you leave here? And she goes, we're going back to Washington. I said, well, the traffic's horrible. Can I follow, follow your little motorcade? <laughs> she, she said, sure. So we, we started up the road and, and, and this damn van was trying to get in between the Cadillac and the black SUV. And I was riding behind him. And every time there was a little break, he'd, he'd try to get over. And finally he almost got over and the SUV swerved over, ran the guy, whole van full of people into a ditch. And, and, and everybody kept going. I said, this guy has no idea what he was doing. And, and they just kept going. So I, I, I thought that was pretty damn yeah, funny. I made it all, always back to Washington went through the traffic and it was a, a good deal. But Steve, a lot of stories, a lot of things we see, we can't say. Sure. We sign a lot of paperwork and uh, we, we got to be quiet. Did you, but, you have to be quiet about, did you steal the vice president's socks? Can you tell me, did you take our vice president's socks? No, they're the damn president. President's <laughs> socks. You can tell me that when I, somebody was telling me uh, about this. We're up to this place called Camp David. Yes, the, the the retreat for the Camp president. Camp David Accords, Camp David, and, and, and he has his own house. And uh, oh man, got a nice hot tub with the presidential seal, little three hole golf course behind him. And uh, we're up there working, and uh, we went to coat the floor, and uh, I stepped on some finish. It was kind of wet. I had my socks. On. Oh lord! Nice. So I took my sock off and threw it in the other room, and then. Uh, the sock kind of stuck together. I said, look, I can't go. I need some socks. The guy went back to the laundry room and got me the president's socks. One of them. 
And I put it on and we finished the job. We rolled out of there about three o'clock in the morning. And this guy come, a Marine come up with a machine gun. He said, where's Sprig Lynn? And everybody looked at him. He's right there. They all point at me. <laughs> point at you. And, and, and I was there. He goes, you got the president's socks on. You got to give them back. And I took both damn socks off. I didn't know which one. <laughs> said, there you, you got off. both of them. And, 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 and took off. So it, it was kind of funny. You got presidential and we, seal and Adidas. Good. That's a good set. We, we, run, we, we run into all kinds of. Hell, we're at the White House one time, and uh, a certain president was slipping and sliding because someone put a French polish on the floor. Ooh. So we had to fix it. And uh, they call us on a, a Sunday. And and I said, we'll be down there Monday morning first thing. He said, no, you got to come today, Sunday. So we went down there. I took some uh, – uh, there's a Duracell stripper called uh, Renovator. Yes. And I poured it, in a, poured it in an old crock bottle with a – with a, a cork jug and put it on there and we we're stripping that stuff off and it was working great and uh damned if uh he, he goes what do you got in there and i said i'm not telling you he <laughs> said you got to tell me you signed that piece of paper and i said okay it's called job security and the guy started laughing and, and uh I, I wouldn't tell him you tell him what you're doing that's another thing as kids, my father would tell us, you lay your tools down when you're doing something fancy and, and you be polite and you don't work. Just let people go about their business and go back to work when they leave. He goes, don't show anyone anything. It's totally opposite now. Everybody can get any information on uh, <laughs> yeah. YouTube or whatever. But back then, we laid our tools down and wouldn't work. We'd right. just, just take a break. And, and he said, don't show anyone. We guarded our secrets big time. Or how we did things. I don't blame you. That's why they call trade secrets, right? Oh yeah, yeah, that's true. That's true. The uh, but uh, hey, you know what? The wood floor business has been very good to uh, myself and and my family, past and present. Can you can you tell the goodly peoples of flooring the um, the Gandhi and the White House floor story? <laughs> I like that story. Well, no, it's actually over there at uh, uh, Ethel Kennedy's house. Oh, oh, that's right. It was Ethel Kennedy's house. Tell, yeah, tell me that yeah. one. That was slick. He 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 was the Dalai Lama. Right. Was coming over to her house to stay. I guess that was his place to stay. And, and and she wanted to make sure the floors looked good for him in the bedroom he was staying. Right. And my father said, you know, the Kennedy, Ethel Kennedy is pretty tight on paying. You better be careful if you go over there. Because <laughs> I remember back in the 60s, she didn't pay. Uh, no, if any Kennedys are listening to this, I'm sorry. <laughs> but, but they were tight on paying. Sure. Uh, but anyway, so we got up there and I looked at I said, uh, Miss Kennedy, this floor, this floor needs to be sanded. She goes, well, the Dalai Lama's going to pray right over here. And I said, no, it needs to be sanded. She goes, can't you just wax it? He's not going to pray that long on the floor. <laughs> I said, oh, Lord, she, she's got in the corner there. But we waxed it up for him. And I guess the Dalai Lama, go ahead and pray. I guess he got up every morning and prayed. But yeah. uh, we run it. You know, I, I, I'm i in the process of writing a book, a large book, a lot of pictures, Nice. A lot of pictures uh, with some history of some some jobs we've done and in, in the process. I think I think it'll be like a coffee table size book. I, I think it'll be good. I, I think it'll be great. And and uh, uh, 
the places we get to work in that most people don't have the opportunity, I feel blessed. That's why I like networking with people. I can bring in hired mercenaries that are excellent at their trade and they can come in and work with me and we all have a great time. Absolutely. It's, it's, it's a power of networking and, and people need to get on with it because, uh, networking with people with the same passion as you is, is fantastic. How do you drive with your guys? Like, you know, they used to call us the singing floor guys. I swear to this day, if I walk onto a job, there are songs that go through my head. We would copy movie lines all day long. We would crack jokes all day long. We would sing all day long. Uh, you guys, any of you guys pull practical jokes and things? What do you got going on with your guys? Well, look, there was one time we were on a job. Uh, we didn't eat breakfast. We didn't eat lunch. It was coming to dinner time, and this really old lady said that uh we had to move her furniture back i said oh lord we gotta go move furniture back and we were starving and i was with another fella and we're moving the furniture back and there's this big yellow goblet glass goblet with a bunch of peanuts in it and my guy started eating the peanuts and i said steve i said look look man you can't eat the ladies peanuts you know we we can't eat the people's food because i'm starving man i feel like i'm gonna throw up i'm so hungry and he kept eating them. And the lady came in right when he was finishing up the peanuts. And I said, ma'am, it was a really old lady, too. I said, ma'am, I'm really sorry. We'll, we'll, I'll buy you some new peanuts. I'm really sorry you ate your peanuts. She goes, don't worry about it. I just like to suck the chocolate off of it. Oh, <laughs> oh my mom used to do that. Oh, that's brutal. <laughs> no, that, that, that's a good floor joke. You got to admit. That's, that's a good, good one. Well, I, I, hey, somebody told me to ask you about a, about a turkey, and I won't say any more than that, but there, you had a story about a turkey or parts uh, we, of a we turkey. Can't talk about you can't, okay, we, we won't we, talk about the turkey story. We can't talk about that. We talked about the knife but, guy, but you worked in the Supreme Court. You did work in the Supreme Court. As long as you're not recording this, I'll tell you about it. Yeah, we, we're going to – you're recording. Go, go ahead. What was your question? What, what was, was the, your question? Didn't, didn't you also have um, – uh, wasn't there some type of an emergency with the Supreme Court flooring or something that you had to go? Oh, the, 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 uh, uh, the one lady that came in the Supreme Court, she, uh, she, she, after she got brought in the Supreme Court, uh, she had a party there in the, uh, one of the, one of the big fancy rooms there. And they called me up and said, look, there's a hole a crack, you know, when, when, when the shoulders get broken and someone sits on a high heel, there's a crack in the floor and we got to get this fixed because the president's coming. Right. And I said, uh, okay, I'll, I'll be down there tomorrow morning. I said, no, you, you don't understand. It was like nine 30 in the morning. You don't understand. Uh, it, it, the function is at one o'clock. You got to come now. And I said, there's no way I can get this thing fixed in time. And, and they said, well, look, we'll, we'll have a uh, Supreme Court police meet you out in front of the Supreme Court, watch your truck, and we'll escort you right through the front door if you can fix it. Right. I thought, okay, I'm on it. I grabbed my little tackle box, and I was on it. And, uh, and they were going over the, the, the list of guests and stuff. There was like Ricky Martin yeah. and all these yeah. people. <laughs> I was listening to everything. So the Secret Service guy was watching me with a suit he is watching everything i was doing and then i fill it with this kneaded up epoxy and it looks like chewing gum in the beginning you know you got to put the light part in there and then throw it and do all this stuff and i said you know the only thing i could get to dry fast was lacquer so i brought a little lacquer with me and you know that stinks stinks to high heaven sure and this is a small area 
And he said, well, the president's coming, man. You, you got to get this thing done. And you talk about the pressure on you. So I'm getting it done. I fill in the grain. I got it all done. I put the lacquer on it. And that Secret Service guy looked at me and said, we can't have no smell. No. You got to get rid of that smell. And and I said, don't worry about it. I got you covered. I kept doing it. And he goes, you got to get rid of that smell. And before I left, I went into the Universal Floors bathroom and I got some spray. It was like country flowers or something. That was in the thing. I had in my back pocket. I turned around right when I, he goes, you don't understand me. You can't have that smell. I went, two quick sprays, country country flowers. And I said, I got you covered, brother. And, and that guy started to laugh. And he goes, I've seen a lot of stuff in my life, but that's funny as hell. It was great. Country flowers so, and lacquer. I think kids uh, in the 60s well, we were doing to, that we, stuff at Woodstock. Yeah, we, had, we had to cover up uh, <laughs> But uh, so we run into a lot of interesting people, just like everybody does. And yeah. uh, it's, it's, it's kind of fun. And, and you know, we, we don't play politics. Obviously, we, we're right in D.C. and everybody sends all kinds of both sides of the party. So we just uh, do our job and uh, money's green. It doesn't know which side it's being spent on. So we, we just do the job and get on with the next one. No, I hear you. Listen, I, I got stuff, but I'm not going to steal all your stories. I was doing the same thing as you. I got a bunch of stories. I'm, I would, was going to write a book. And every now and then, I don't have anything to throw into the magazine or online. And I'll wind up using one of the stories. I'm like, darn, there goes another story I was going to save for my book. So I won't, I won't steal all your stuff. But I told you if you called and we spoke for five minutes, it would turn into an hour easy. Uh, oh yeah, we we got it. You got any rapid questions or? Yeah, I'm gonna to do. Go? I'd like to throw. I'm gonna throw some rapid questions on and uh, and let I'll let you escape my clutches a little bit because I think you know, this it's went by really quick. All right, I'm gonna throw some rapid fire questions at him. You answer me as quick as you can. Hey, gonna... hey, listen, see, I gotta tell you one more quick story. Yeah, please. One definitely. more quick story. Sure. We're, we're down at this. Uh, you know, anytime someone goes left, we go right. If nine companies say they can't restore it, we say we can. So there was this real fancy museum down in Washington. Everybody said they, they the, this teak floor from 1909 couldn't be fixed. And this and that. It's going to cost $300,000 to replace, replace it. And I said, no, I can fix it. I can fix it. Uh, I'll show you a sample. I'll get it done. We saved them so much money on that parquet that we could command a better price on all the rest of the work. Right. And we got the job. And they went and had this uh, uh, party at the end with uh, with dignitaries and all these people. And the, the curator got up there and, and damned if he wasn't mentioning Universal Floors. And he was so happy that we saved this floor. And you know what I did? And my wife thought I was crazy. But it, it's perception. So I got a lot of work out of this. What I did is I, I got calluses on my hands. I never work with gloves. But I took a pair of needle nose pliers and I twisted those calluses up. So, Steve, I had the roughest hands you ever felt in your life. I mean, <laughs> these calluses were sticking up an eighth of an inch. And I went to that, that, that gala or whatever it was, and I was shaking people's hands. And I go, watch your eyes. They go, look straight at my hands when they shake their hands. They shook the roughest man's hands <laughs> they've ever run. Because they don't know how hard I work, but they were thinking I really, really worked really hard you got cowboy and, hands and, 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 and damned if three or four people called me down the road to do other museums or whatever and they said look i want to 
he had the roughest damn hands I've ever shaked. <laughs> and I, I, I thought that was pretty damn funny. It's, it's all about per- perception. Oh, yes, it is. That's crazy. Oh, listen, I'm going to run through some quick fire stuff for you. And then um, maybe if they're nice to me at Woodfloor Business Magazine, well, they'll let us chat again sometime because you know we could do this all day long. All right, I'm going to rifle through these. You answer them as quick as you can. You ready to roll? Yes, sir. Okay. You got a favorite tool in your box? Something that if it's not there and you know about it, someone's going to get a beat down? Uh, my favorite tool is my left and right arm. There It'll you do go. do anything I tell it to. <laughs> that works. How about pet peeves? How about in flooring, on the job, et cetera? Uh, is there something that just you, drives you, you nuts? you kidding me? There's, there's, Steve, I'll tell you what. There's a few things, and you might think I'm crazy, is when people put shoe mold and you see a pencil mark after they're done, <laughs> it just kills me. Short boards in high visual areas kills me. Yeah. We add 10%. We measure a, a 11 foot nine room. We make it 12 feet. We go always round up the next fullest foot and add 10% waste. Right. We're not going to be caught short putting little, little boards in there. Another thing that kills me is wood vents. When people seal them in the floor, it drives me crazy. It, it, I, you got to coat the backside so the dry heat doesn't warp it. Yep. You got to coat both sides, and we cut a, about a sixteenth off each side so it has a little play. And and I'm a fanatic about my wood vents. I want it right. You know how many people? The competition just coats right over. It's ridiculous. Absolutely. All right, here's one for you. This is our this is our fam- You made this question famous, and you didn't even know this. Is there somebody in the industry you'd like to meet or work with, and you cannot say Sprig Lynn because we're at a hundred percent? Who would you like to meet and work, or even work with in this industry? Huh. Uh, hey, look, there, there, there's, there's a lot of people out there, and, and I've worked with most of the people on my bucket list. Believe me, I have. Right, hundred percent. But I, I'd have to. A little nepotism. I I really like to work with my grandfather. Yeah, that's awesome. He he when he retired in his eighties, he came to work at Universal Floors, and uh, I. But uh, there there there's there's a lot of that's a heavy list, man. There's a lot. I've been knocking them down though, one at a time. Everybody's got their high points, and 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 I learned something from every every one of these people I, I work for. Uh, or work with, um, you, you know, let, let me tell you something real quick. Sure. When, uh, uh, about my pet peeves, when people put down stain samples, some people don't put the, the, the finish that they're going to use over top of the samples. <laughs> and it's a totally different look. It kills me. Like, holy cow. And if people are nailing up a board or they're standing on the floor and they see a board and they got to look at it more than two seconds, they better take care of it. They better take it out. They better fix it, period. You got to look at something. You know when you nail on the floor and all of a sudden, yeah, should I take it out? Should I not? You got to think about it. You better take it out. Damn right. So listen, from your time in the industry, there must be something in what we do as hardwood flooring. Um, and you have a lifelong dedication to the hardwood flooring industry. Is there like one specific thing that you just really appreciate about the work we do in the industry that you're in? You know what? There's a lot of things. Yeah. When, when you're laying, a, when you're installing a wood floor or, or the other trades stop and look at you, 
they're really fascinated what you're doing. Uh, even laying a straight leg, or if you're bending wood, there's more fulfillment out of being a professional, holding your head up, knowing what you're doing, and being proud of what you do. And it, it, it's fantastic. I, I love it. Uh, I, this the, the wood floor trade is a good, wholesome trade to know. Absolutely. It's fantastic. Well, if you hadn't done flooring, what do you think if you weren't like diving headlong into flooring your entire life? What do you think you would have done? Or is there something else that you wanted to do? Uh, uh, lawyer. I would have gone to law school. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, hey, we are few and far between ever going to court, universal floors. Mm-hmm. But small claims court, I've won every case, every damn case, believe me. And I was in court one time, and this – they had an expert up on stage. He, he was an expert, and he was qualified somehow. I don't know. And they got me up there and said I wasn't an expert. And I said, what? They, what's your credentials? What class? Well, I had never took a class before. Sure. And I took a vow to myself from that point on that I would join the National Wood Flooring Association. I would take every class. And then eventually I'd teach almost every class and I would immerse myself in every possible degree I could get in wood floor. So next time I'm up here on that stand and that judge asked me, I'm going to tell him, yes, uh, I, X, Y, and Z. But I, I felt that, you know, people judge someone just because they don't have this degree or <laughs> they're not a craftsman degree. And, and the best degree is, on-the-job training absolutely and uh but sometimes people overlook that and and you could be a certified person and really not be all that great at your trade sure yeah there's a lot of ways to get certifications and you know what sometimes it's a lot of money and a long weekend but it is a start it is is a start and it's important but don't count out all the guys that never stepped in a classroom because i i've worked with guys as a kid that maybe had a third grade education and they, and they might as well have a master's degree in calculus because they can lay out just about anything. Anything. And that's who taught me. I love to tell people that when they ask about that, I'll say, well, you know what? The Wright brothers didn't have pilot's licenses. I've been around a while. I put a lot of floors in. So trust me, if I can't figure this hey, out, I, I will I, tell I you who a, can. I got an autographed picture uh, at home to my grandfather from Orville and Wilbur Get Wright. out! We got to get, get us a photo of that. Let's put that in Wood Floor Business Magazine. That that's amazing. Met, met a lot of people and you can imagine what that guy from the time he was born just right after the civil war sure. uh, uh, until now what what that man has seen his life look how far and my father too out. you know sure. my, my father is has seen the wood floor business he remembers the first uh, nailing gun that came out mac mclaughlin came to his shop in the 1960s and said we got this thing called a power nailer and you don't have to hand nail hand nail floors anymore, and and, and everybody thought he was crazy. Right. And uh, then they came out with the air gun. So uh, you know we 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 use uh, manual nailers sometimes. I hear you. What about home shed mailbox office van something? You have any carpet anywhere? Is there carpet in your family <laughs> homes anywhere? Uh, the, Hey, at one time, Universal Floors did do some carpet. Ah, uh, get out. Yeah, when, when back, back when they about killed the the market, we had to survive. Uh, no, I don't have any carpet in my house. I got uh, wide plank. And, that was uh, the right answer, Sprick. Uh, uh, 
no, we got rugs. I got a few Orientals and a few other rugs, but uh, the house I bought, I moved in a few few houses up from uh, where my parents, where I grew up, and that was my earliest memory of doing a floor. Or I really wasn't doing. I was there. I was five years old. I remember my father laying the floor in the basement. It was nine by nine uh, Higgins block and uh, H block. I took it up. Yeah, I took it up and put uh, some. Uh, wide plank french oak down there but i hey believe me i examined every inch of that floor but where he cut it how he laid it out everything i couldn't find i couldn't <laughs> find any problems and 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 i was looking hard and i asked my dad he said don't worry son i know what i'm doing so it's good mapping the part of the final exam spring is it further to baltimore than it is by train it's Further a BS way, question, Spray. There's no answer what, what? to that question. I ran out of questions, so I threw you, I threw you that one. Uh, I, you know, listen, I, I, I appreciate your time. I know you are so busy, and we had a little bit of a time connecting because I'm busy as well, but you were headlong into trying to make the time to get here and to talk with me and get this all rolling, and I'm, I'm glad we did, man. You're a cool guy. You're, you're the floor guy's floor guy. I, I could talk to you an hour a day. you got your stuff down. Hey, hey, you know what? I, I really appreciate your time and your podcast, and uh, you call me anytime. And, uh, and those people that are listening to us, uh, we take this trade very seriously. Yeah. And uh, if somebody ever wants to call me and talk to me, I don't care what level you're at, please call me. I I, I feel calls all the time. I This is my passion. You do, so and you I know that's how I got a hold of you. you. you 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 call me. Yeah, uh, I'm I'm ready to go. All right, and listen, make sure you give me an invite down there. You want help? I'm in the same book as anybody else. I will show with jeans and work boots. Put me to work. I'll be there. Well, we 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 got a lot of stuff on the plate now. Yes, we I'm do. All right, one. I can handle that. I can handle that. Well, listen, buddy, All I right. really 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 appreciate your time, Sprig. Thank you very much, and uh, you know we are here when you need us, buddy. Bless you. You have a good evening. I'll see you. Take care, buddy. All right. right. Bye-bye now. Thanks for listening to this episode of All Things Wood Floor, sponsored by Woodchuck Flooring, flooring and customer service experts with 52 years under their tool belts. If you'd like to see some of the fantastic work by this episode's guest, Sprig Lynn, and the entire Universal Floors team, Go to woodfloorbusiness.com and just put Sprig Lynn, that's S-P-R-I-G-G-L-Y-N-N, in the search box. Before you go, don't forget to rate this podcast and subscribe so you don't miss a single episode.